Christmas is often a time for traditions in family life. I'm just curious, how many of you in here have traditions at Christmas that you take part in? Raise your hand. Don't be bashful. Great. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's the deal. Uh, at the church, we have a tradition, at least this year, that the senior pastor was to bring the message to Christmas this year. However, he's not feeling well. And so yesterday morning at 1030, we talked and we decided, uh, Trinity, you're on. Woo! <laughs> well, Pastor John, let me take your message. We'll modify it a little bit. We'll trust the Lord a lot. We'll pray for you. We'll show everybody what teamwork's all about. We're going to trust the Lord that we're in store for a great message. I promise you, John's put together a great message today. I intend to deliver it well. And you know what? Together, we're just going to praise Jesus because that's what we're here for. Amen? Amen. All right. When it comes to the Christmas season, there's many greetings that uh, happen during this time of the year. Greetings you're very familiar with. Things like we say to each other, Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. How about season's greetings? We say things like peace on earth or joy to the world. Now, we understand what all those mean at this time of the year, don't we? And we typically only say them at this time of the year. I mean, think about if you were to tell somebody in the middle of Jan uh, July, hey, Merry Christmas. Be like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, Merry Christmas. That was weird. But Christmas is a time where we use sayings that are very meaningful with the season that's upon us. But it's also a time that we use words that are familiar to the season as well. Words that are common like shepherd or angel. Magi, Virgin, and Emmanuel. It's during Christmas that when we use these words, we understand what they mean, and we oftentimes get that it's part of the Christmas season. But there's another word that we often don't use during the Christmas season that I think is very fitting, and it's the word magnify. Think about it. How often do you think of Christmas and think of the word magnify? Well, I think it's not only a fitting word, it's a very appropriate word for Christmas. Why? Because Christmas is all about magnifying things, isn't it? In fact, one of the things we magnify is we magnify our eating, don't we? <laughs> I mean, think about it. There's no other time in the year upon which we eat more than now at the Christmas season. I mean, it's during the Christmas season that we bring out all of the goodies, all the snacks, all the delicacies, all the things that we wait for each year. Why? I don't know, because that's what we do at Christmas, isn't it? Let me tell you the good news about this. According to experts, the average weight gain during the holiday season, get this, it's only one pound. Isn't that amazing? So if you gain more than one pound... <laughs> Well, that's your problem. <laughs> and maybe that just means you're above average, right? That's pretty good, isn't it? But you know, there's other things that we magnify at Christmas as well. Things like spending. A lot of people magnify their spending during the Christmas season. We spend more money during Christmas than any other time of the year, and it's expected during this holiday season that our economy, at least in the retail sales, will surpass $1 trillion in sales. That's a lot of spending. We go to more stores, we stand in more lines, we fight more traffic, and the result, at least for most of us men, might be something like this. 
<laughs> or maybe like this. <laughs> All right, we got one more. How about this? <laughs> right? You know, at Christmas, we also magnify our decorating, don't we? Both inside and outside of our homes, we decorate like crazy. We love to make it festive and Christmassy, and we love to put up lights on the inside and on the outside. And I can remember being a kid, there would be neighborhoods that would kind of work together, and they would uh, create a whole neighborhood full of lighting. And not only that, we would oftentimes go driving around and we'd be looking for that one house that looks something like this. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Lights are wonderful, aren't they? They're festive, they're celebrative. Years ago, all we could do was just do lights, but now, if you really want to magnify Christmas through the lights, you can do something like a light show that looks like this. great way to celebrate Christmas. And I'm convinced that if my wife and my children had it their way, that's what my house would look like. But guess what? It doesn't. I tell them if you want it like that, do it yourself. <laughs> and if you drive by my house, you'll see it looks nothing like that. But for many, this is what Christmas is all about. Christmas is about magnifying the things that bring joy and happiness to our lives. This is the way that our world is, and we live in it. And for mo the most part, many of us, we participate in it. But what we are to take part in more than any of these things is in magnifying the gift that God has given us in his son, Jesus Christ. There's nothing worth magnifying more than the greatest gift that could ever be given to humanity. His name is Jesus. The Apostle Paul, he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, in describing this gift to us, he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And if there was a young woman who discovered how just indescribable this gift would be, I believe it is Mary herself. We know her story, don't we? A young girl 
living in a rural village called Nazareth, small town, few people, fairly unknown, not much happening there, humble place. Yet it is this place where God chose to find a young woman named Mary and selected her to be the mother of Jesus. And then there came that unexpected visit by the angel Gabriel who showed up on her doorstep. And he says to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. What a tremendous gift that was given to Mary. But not just Mary, what a tremendous gift that was given to all of humanity. You know, this gift simply caused Mary a bit of confusion. She simply couldn't figure it out. She asked the question over and over, how can this be? After all, she was young, she was a virgin, she was engaged to be married to Joseph, but they were not married and they had not consummated their marriage. And so she's asking the question, how can it be? It's when the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, who will be born will be called the Son of God. In other words, Mary, what's going to happen in you is a miracle. And the only way that it's going to happen is through God. Because that's what God does. He does miracles. He makes the impossible possible. And then Gabriel tells her, oh, by the way, your relative Elizabeth, he's already done the impossible for her. Even Elizabeth, the scripture says, your relative is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Now, don't you love Mary's response? After she hears all of this, she's just told by an angel, which is shocking enough to have an angel show up at your doorstep. Think about your response. What would your response be? Not only to seeing this messenger come with a message from God, but telling you you're going to have a child when you having a child is virtually impossible. Not only that, but the impossibility of Elizabeth having a child is already made possible. Well, Mary, her response is certainly worth noting. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be as you have said. A woman of great faith, of great confidence in her Lord, a woman who said yes to God, even in light of the impossibilities and the difficult circumstances that lie ahead. It was right after this that Mary packed up her belongings and she made the journey south 
some 75 miles to be with her relative Elizabeth and Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah. Her plan was to stay there for about three months. Why? Because that's when Elizabeth's child was born into this world. And we know this child to be John the Baptist, the front runner, the forerunner, the one who would make the announcement that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, has arrived on the earth. But while Mary was with Zechariah and Elizabeth, one of the questions we could ask is, well, what did she do while she was there? The Bible tells us that she writes a song to God. It's a song of praise, and we call it the Magnificent, because it's all about magnifying God. This is the purpose of her song, was to magnify God. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. This is how she actually starts the song. I want you to think with me for a moment about what it actually means to magnify something. It means to make it big. It means to make it great. It means to elevate it to its highest level so that it is beyond everything else. And I believe that what Mary recognized about who was in her was the greatest gift, the biggest and the best thing that God could ever do for humanity in sending this gift to the world to be the savior of the world. If you look with me at this song, it starts with what God has done for her. And so you see Mary using words like my and me to emphasize her recognition of what God has done. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my Savior. For he has regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, sings Mary, and holy is his name. See, Mary realizes that God is doing something special specifically for her, but she also realizes that God is doing something special specifically through her. And what, what God was doing for her and what God was doing through her, she acknowledged was nothing more or less than the act of God's grace in her life. It's all about God's grace. And so she starts her song magnifying God because of his undeserving grace toward her. See, grace is simply God giving to us what we don't deserve. So Mary magnified God because of his unending grace, and this unending grace was a grace given to her. Now, I can tell you uh, that the undeserving grace for her was simply because she was recognizing and realizing that she did nothing to deserve the gift that God had given to her. She understood that even when she sang and used these words, he has regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. She recognized her, her, her humble place in the bigger scheme of things. In fact, the angel Gabriel indicated that by the first thing that he said to her 
These were the first words out of his mouth. Rejoice, highly favored one among you. The Lord is with you. Notice he didn't say, because you are so significant and because you are so great, the Lord is with you. No, that's not what the angel's message was. The angel simply said, rejoice, highly favored one among women. The Lord is with you. And when it says highly favored, it means to be endued with special honor. It means to be graciously accepted. Now, the only other time that we see this phrase used in the Bible is actually in Ephesians chapter 1, when the Apostle Paul says it in this way, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us acceptable in the beloved. See, Mary is magnifying God because she is being made acceptable by God to be the mother of Jesus. She did nothing to deserve it, and it's not because she did anything right for it. No, it's only because of God's grace and that through his grace, he decided it. And that's how grace always works, isn't it? It worked like that for Mary, and it works like that for us. He makes us acceptable in his beloved son to receive his favor. Not a single one of us deserve anything from God. But out of God's grace for you and for me, he loves us. He died for us. And he's given us life, if but we would receive the gift of eternal life that he offers to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And so Mary magnified the Lord because of his undeserving grace directed toward her. But there was another reason that Mary magnified the Lord. And it was because of his unending mercy. Because of God's unending mercy. But this time, it's not just for Mary, and Mary recognizes that. Mary knows that God's mercy is for all people, and so she begins to sing and directing her attention towards a more general audience. How all people can receive God's mercy is what Mary makes known to us through her song. Let me read it to you. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones. He has exalted those of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoken to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Did you catch... How many times Mary says that he has, that God has done something as an act of mercy? Eight times Mary sings about what God did because of his unending mercy for people. See, mercy is simply God withholding from us what we rightfully deserve. And in return, helping us when we are helpless doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. We have all received God's mercy in some recognizable way. 
But the question is, is will you recognize God's mercy in your life? Here Mary named three specific groups to whom God had been merciful. The first one is the helpless. And then it was the hungry. And also the humble. Mary could see how God in his mercy was beginning to turn everything that the world has known on its head. Everything seems out of the ordinary. The weak overcome the mighty. The humble scatter the proud. The nobodies are exalted. The hungry are filled. The rich, well, they end up poor. See, the grace of God always works contrary to the ways of this world so that the mercy of God can be realized by each and every one of us. And Mary recognized this in her heart and she recognized this in her song, that it's all about what God has done in his mercy for people. Lamentations 3.22 says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh or new each morning. It doesn't say God's mercies are new every month. It doesn't say that God's mercies are new every week. No, it says that God's mercies are new for you and for me every single morning. And God never misses a morning. Every day you roll out of bed, God says, today I am going to show you my mercy. Today, I am going to begin your day with my mercy. And so Mary is magnifying God because he is the God of unending mercy. And finally in her song, she magnifies him because of his unfailing promises. Not only because of his undeserving grace to her, not only because of his unending mercy for all people, but also because of his unfailing promises to his people, Israel. In Luke 1, 54 and 5, we read these words, He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Now, now why does Mary end the song with the mention of Abraham anyway? Well, because she's pulling the song together with the wonderful promise that God actually made to Abraham some 2,000 years even before Mary was born. And what Mary recognizes is that God is being faithful to his promise. And the promise by God was that he would send a descendant from Abraham who would be a seed to which all of the inhabitants of the world would find either salvation or life or at least could find salvation and life. And so what Mary recognizes in this child, Jesus Christ, is that he is also the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham some 2,000 years ago, that through the seed of Abraham would come a savior to the world. And he has come to save people from their sins. But he's only your savior 
if you recognize your need for him. And so this is the gift that Mary is singing about. That God is faithful to his promise. Even though centuries can go by, God will not forget what he promised. And Mary is now seeing that promise getting fulfilled in the child that she is carrying. And Mary is saying, God, you are a God who remembers. And I want you to know today that God has made a promise to you that if you but receive him as your Lord and Savior, he will bring salvation to you. God will not forget that promise. He remembers that promise every day. And I believe that through the Holy Spirit, he's prompting you and asking you to follow him. As for you, Christmas can truly be all about magnification. It was for Mary. And I believe it can be for you too. I imagine that you'll magnify your eating. That's what we do at Christmas, right? Personally, I look forward to our Christmas meal tonight. I know I'll magnify that time. Maybe a half a pound. I'm not going for the full pounder. But I very much look forward to it. I imagine that you magnified your shopping this year as well. But you know why we do that? We do that because we love people and we want to give them good gifts, don't we? It's likely that uh, you magnified your gatherings this weekend or this week. Why? Because we simply want to celebrate this day with all of our friends and all of our family and so our gatherings get magnified as well. And if you magnified your decorations, well, at some point this is all going to be over and you're just going to simply clean it up. Good luck with that. But the greatest thing that we want to do is to magnify our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. See, this is what Mary did. Above all else, she magnified her Lord. And that's exactly what God wants us to do this Christmas and every day to come. Let's make sure that we magnify Jesus above all things because nothing after all is greater than the gift that Jesus is to you and to me. Mary was able to say, my soul magnifies the Lord. I hope that you can find room in your life this Christmas to set aside all of the distractions to make sure that when your soul magnifies anything, that it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope that during this season you'll remember that we have people in our world that cannot see God as big as he is. And because of their life's circumstances, they might be thinking, God, if you're real, where are you? Can you hear me? Do you even care? As Mary magnified Jesus, may you be a magnifying glass that helps people who can't see God as big as he is because of their circumstances that are pulling them down 
to be able to see God for who he really is, the only one who can lift us up. Because after all, Jesus is the only solution to the problems in our life. This is how we magnify God and can make a huge difference in this world this Christmas season. And I trust that you'll take advantage of every opportunity that you have to magnify Jesus and put him number one. You know, I don't want to finish this message by myself. I'm going to ask that you join me as we wrap this up. Because I think one of the greatest applications to magnifying Jesus is putting into practice that which we proclaim and that maybe which we preach. And so I'm going to invite you to please stand to your feet. I'm going to invite you to sing a song with me. And may this be your response. May this be the moment that you set aside all the distractions of the season. You fix your eyes on Jesus. And you take time right now to regroup yourself, to recenter yourself, to refocus your life on the very thing that matters the most, and it's Jesus himself. Let's sing this song together. Jesus, lift up Jesus. Jesus.